are in the middle of our series here called Better, and really uh, the whole idea of it is this, is that we want to get better at what matters most. And I shared with you last week is that how crazy would it be for us to get to the end of our life and realize that we wanted a lot of things that just didn't matter. And, uh, and yet it's very easy to do. And we don't want to win at the wrong things. We want to make sure we're winning at the right things. And so uh, this month we've been really focusing on uh, the topic of prayer and really getting better at prayer. And so this morning I'm going to spend some time talking to you and sharing with you about prayer. And really not just uh, details of prayer but how to get better at prayer. And you know sometimes we can think in our minds that getting better at prayer just means we're going to pray more. And I could actually argue no we just need to be more effective It's not necessarily increasing the amount we pray, but how we pray and to really be effective in how we pray. Because I I have found that many times my long, eloquent prayers don't really impress God. And it's more when I'm just honest before the Lord and those short, honest prayers get answered because my heart's connected to them. It's not just something that I'm saying from memory, but my heart's connected to those prayers. And, um, you know, and so we've been looking at these things. And so, you know, I, I think we, as I just said, many times we can say, well, how do we get better at prayer? Um, you know, and really you say, well, okay, I could pray more. I I could be more intentional. I could do certain things with prayer that are better. And that is true. And we could probably all say that. I mean, who can say I pray enough? Anybody, any takers, anybody pray enough? I don't pray enough, you know, and and so, you know, there's some things that, but that's why we're taking this time and kind of breaking ourselves out of our normal routine to just say, man, if I just turn the TV off, it's amazing how much time I have. Amen. Everybody's like, hmm. I mean, it's amazing how much time gets robbed. If I just got off social media, it's amazing how much time I have. And we don't realize how much of our energy is just consumed with things that actually aren't producing anything from our life. They're actually just draining us. You know, I'll give you an example. If, you, if, you, if, if you're unhappy with life and you spend a lot of time on social media, turn it off for a little while. And see how much happier your life gets. Why? Because you're seeing everyone else's highlight reel of their dream vacation that you're thinking, I wish I was on that. But what you don't know is they went in debt to their eyeballs to go. And they're going to be paying for that vacation for years. And if you knew that, you might think, I don't want that vacation. I'm not that desperate for that one. And yet we we don't realize that just through comparison, things that we see, you know, you see somebody with, and there's nothing wrong with stuff, but you see, well, so-and-so got a new car, they got a new house and whatever. And that's all, your house was fine until they got a new one. And then you're like, well, I guess I need to upgrade. Mine's looking kind of dumpy. I, you know, I mean, it's amazing how those things influence us. And yet so many times that the Lord's like, I just want you to be content. Amen. It's not about life is, the Bible says that life is measured by more than the, the contents that you own. Life is measured by more than that. And so, yeah, we could absolutely pray more. But, and I mentioned this a second ago, but what about being more effective in prayer? More effective, not necessarily more, but just being more effective. That more happened with the prayer that you do use. You know, and now let me just say this up front is that the one thing that I don't want you to hear this morning is that, oh, well, this is just something we have to do. This is something we have to do. It's about relationship with God. And you may say, man, it's been a long time since I've prayed. I don't know what God's going to think. Don't let the enemy rob you from engaging with God. Because he's going to what? He's going to try to convince you God's mad at you. It's been a long time since you've called. He ain't answering your call. You got to pray every day for three weeks for God to even take notice of you. Well, that's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says his ears are attentive. He's, he's watching, listening, paying attention all the time. What? For a moment that we would look to him. He's not going to say, well, you've had me on hold. I'm going to put you on hold. Put him on line 30. I'll get to him eventually. That's, that's not the way God works. And yet we can think that way in our minds. You know, but what are some of the hurdles that, you know, that we think of many times when it comes to prayer? Like, what are those things that keep us back and hinder us from really praying? And so I wrote down a few that I could think of, which this one I think we could all somewhat agree to is that, man, I just have a hard time finding time. Like, where do I find time to pray? It just seems like life is so busy and I'm going all the time and things are happening and, you know, I just feel pulled in every direction and, man, I, golly, I just wish I had more time. Everybody gets the same 24 hours every day. Nobody gets an extra bonus hour. We all get the same amount of time. Here's one. I'm just too tired. Man, I've been running and I'm just tired. Work's been slammed and got all this pressure. And man, I I just need to to get some things off of my mind. And I just need downtime. I'm just so tired all the time. I don't feel like I can really invest the time and, and the energy to pray. Here's one that just falls in that all too human category. I just forgot to. Like, I, I intended to pray, but, you know, I woke up five minutes late, hit the snooze, and, man, I was running to get out the door and to get myself together for the day. And I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll pray later. And then I just, I just forgot. Anybody guilty of that one? We got, like, two or three honest people in here. Can everybody just raise your hand on that one? Have you never forgotten to pray? Like just to engage God in a moment. Yes, we've all done it. The best of intentions, like, oh man, I'm going to spend some time praying and then life comes and things happen. Here's another one. This is more of a heart question is things that are hurdles to our prayers. Does it really make a difference? If we're honest, many of us have had that thought. And I've had the thought praying, look up at the ceiling and go, who am I praying to? There's a ceiling right there. Is this prayer going through this sheetrock to anywhere? And yet that can actually become a hurdle to us engaging in prayer. It's just because we're like, ah, does it, is it really going to make a difference? Is it really going to produce something? Here's another one, and this is the one I really want to kind of focus in on this morning is, I'm not sure what to say. How do I talk to God? Like you guys talk about prayer, but what does that mean? Number one, it's a conversation. It's just a conversation. You don't have to alter the way that you talk. You don't have to pray like your mom and your dad did. You don't have to pray like somebody that you respected in the church did. God wants to hear from you, not your interpretation of somebody else. And that's important. Why? Because God created you uniquely because he wanted to hear from you uniquely. And so, but I think many times we struggle with, especially if you've not been around people that have prayed or even been, maybe even raised around church. You're like, I just, I would pray. I just don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. Like, where do I start? And so I want to really focus on that this morning. And so um, here in Luke chapter one, Jesus gives some instructions to his disciples. And so Here, it's in Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and it says, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So, if we're going to talk about how we should pray, I think we should let Jesus teach us. 
And so we have this moment where the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Now, why would they say that? Because when Jesus prayed, things happened. So if you're going to ask somebody, how should I pray? Let's go ask the guy that when he prays, things begin to work. Like he looks at a tree and says, you have no fruit. I curse you the next day. They come back. Peter's like, Jesus, look, it happened. Jesus, how does that, how do I do that? And they had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And Jesus would pray and blind eyes would be open and people would be healed. And all these amazing things would happen. Jesus takes you know, loaves and fish, and he prays over them. They begin to multiply enough to feed a small group of people becomes enough to feed fifteen to 20,000 people. You're like, I don't remember reading that scripture. Well, it says he fed 5,000 men. Men typically come with company called family, which is wives and children and kids like to eat too. And so that's why I say fifteen to 20,000 is probably a pretty, out of what, a few baskets for lunch, Jesus prays, and so the disciples are saying, hey, there's something more to this prayer thing that we, we must not know something about. And they come to Jesus and say, hey, would you teach us to pray? Would you give us some instructions? And so he says here in verse 2, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. He says, Father, may your name be kept holy, and may your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food that we need, and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He says, don't let us yield to temptation. In other words, don't let us give in to temptation. You know, other translations that's a little bit more familiar would say, lead us not into temptation. Well, God doesn't lead us into temptation. The Bible actually says that temptation comes when what? When we are tempted of desires from within us. So God doesn't tempt us. That's why I didn't read that translation. I like this one. Don't let us yield to temptation. In other words, temptation is going to come, but it's up to us if we yield. It's up to us if we give in. It's up to us if we give way. All of those things. Now, I want to read uh, the parallel of this from the book of Matthew as well. So, I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 6. I just like the simplicity of the language that the message translation uses. Starting in um, verse 5. So, this is a continuation. We left off in verse 4. We're picking up in verse 5, but in Matthew. And so... It says, when you come to God, in verse 5, he says, don't turn it into a theatrical production either. He said, all these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think that God sits in a box seat? Think about a theater. Don't make a theatrical production out of this. Do you think God paid a ticket to come listen to you pray? That's really what he's saying. He says, verse 6, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place. So you won't be tempted to role play before God. We're not role playing here. This is about connection. He says, just be there simply and honestly. Or be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. He says, the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. That's his ability. It says in verse 7, says, the world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. I'll repeat that one. The world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques and getting what you want from God. And whether you realize or not, our society is full of that. Full of it. 
Try this, do that. And sometimes they just remove God out of it. They just take godly principles and then they package it real pretty and they say, hey, here's this new thing that will bring you this new life that you want. And the problem is that new life doesn't matter without God. And so, but that's what happens. Verse eight. Now this is Jesus talking. He says, don't fall for that nonsense. This is your, this is your father you are dealing with and he knows better than you what you need. Don't fall for the nonsense. This is your father that we're talking about. And he knows better what we need than what we even know sometimes. We think we know. And God says, no, that's what you want. But this is actually what you need. It's like my son. He doesn't like to eat food, right? He wants to eat random things. And I'm like, buddy, that's not nourishment, right? So there's, that's, that's what you want, but you can't live off of gummy bears. I know they're tasty, but gummy bears aren't going to help you grow. And it's my job to what? Make sure you get what you need, not just what you want. That's, my, that's part of my role for him as a dad. And so it continues at the beginning of verse 9. It says, with God loving you like this, you can pray very simply. Now I'm going to switch to another translation because I like the way that it worded some of this better. So I'm going to go to the Passion Translation, verse 10 through 13. So this is the way that we should pray. Well, the beginning is our Father... Uh, in heaven, reveal who you are. And he, so it goes on in the Passion Translation. says, manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider for all that we need each day. Forgive us of the wrongs that we have done ourselves and release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face trials and tribulations or temptations and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. So we're getting some instruction here. So in verse 14, going to jump back to um, the message translation. It says, in prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. So that's a key to prayer right there. God, is there anything in me? that I'm holding somebody else hostage with, that they've done against me. Whether they were right or wrong, is in, it doesn't matter. Jesus never said, forgive those who deserve forgiveness. Why? Because if that were true, that's a principle that God would have to use against us. And God would never be able to forgive us. Why? Because we were never deserving to begin with. So God is only asking us, Jesus here is asking us to simply do what he has done. Forgive people who don't deserve it. Why? Because it actually affects the effectiveness of our prayer. He says, so you must forgive others. He says, if you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. So he's given us a pretty simple method here. Now, it's not the only way to pray. Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to give you a model. This is one way to pray. We see it other places in scripture where it says to, to pray at all times with what? All manner of prayer. There's all kinds of different ways to pray. There's not one better than the other. The most important thing is, is what works. That's all I really care about. I don't care necessarily how much a mechanic knows. What I want to know is when I take my car to him, does it work? Amen. There's nothing more frustrating than to hire somebody to come to your house and fix something and they didn't fix it and you paid them. So I don't really care which way prayer works for you or what you what people may want to debate what i really care is what gets results 
What causes God to move? That's what matters. And so we see here, and and I really want to walk through the Lord's Prayer with you and really break it down as to one way to pray. But, you know, because I realize that not everybody in here has really a good grasp on, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I want to help you with that. And I really just want to give you some parameters here. And so, you know, um, the Lord's Prayer is not something that we just recite word for word. That's not why it's effective. It's really not. But it's just giving us some parameters. And hey, if you can pray like this, it would be good. So let's break it down. So this is all going to be up on the screens for you. Note takers and all that good stuff. Joel had to do a little extra work this week, but it's okay. It's good for him. And uh, so in the very beginning, it says, Our Father in heaven. Let's just stop right there. Like that's the, our four words and we're already stopping. Why does that matter? It's our Father. It's relational. Before we say anything, before we ask for anything, I'm acknowledging my relationship with God. Our Father in heaven. So we want to connect with God relationally. Understanding that he is my Father. Now I am blessed in my life, and I realize that this isn't necessarily the norm for everybody. But I have a good relationship with my dad. So to help you connect with what I mean by this, when I call my dad on the phone... My dad, in my phone, it's listed as dad. I click it, and it calls him. When he says, hey, son, I'm not like, oh, my gosh, you answered my phone call? I'm so thankful that you have chosen to answer my call today. I, I didn't know if you would. I just hoped that you might. I thought you might send me to voicemail, but, but you actually answered? And yet that's how we approach God in prayer. Here's my expectation when I call my dad. You better answer my call. Why? Because he's my father. I have a relationship with him that tells me I'm important to him. And because I'm important to him, guess what it brings in me? It brings a confidence. He's my dad. He cares for me. He's going to answer my phone call. And what it also, there's no hesitation for me to call him. Quite the opposite. Sometimes I've called him. I'm like, I don't remember why I called you. I'll call you back. Hang up the phone. Ten minutes later, hey, I remembered. Okay. And you know what? There's no hesitation from him to call me. Now, I'm blessed in the sense that I have a, a relationship with my natural father that way. But I can tell you this. If you have a strained relationship with your natural father, it will affect your ability to pray. Why? Because, it, because how we connect to our natural family also affects our spiritual understanding. So let me say it this way. Just because your natural father may not be as accessible to you, that does not mean your heavenly father is not available to you. Quite the opposite. So we come to him first relationally saying, you're my father, I'm your child. I have every expectation that I'm important to you and you're so, we're going to talk. You're going to listen to what matters to me. Why? Because I matter to you. And because I matter to you, what matters to me matters, you know. Like, I go in stores, not because I want to be there, but because my wife wants to be there. And because it matters to her, it matters to me. See what I'm saying? That's how prayer works. Because it matters to us, it matters to God. So I want to connect with God relationally. Now, here's another side of that, is that God is approachable. He's approachable. You don't have to wait till you have a good day to pray. 
I've been pretty good for a couple days. It's a good time to pray. That's how we think. That's the way our minds work. And yet on our worst day, we ought to know that God's approachable. He's not mad at us. He's not frustrated with us. Like, it's you again? Really? Voicemail. <laughs> no, that's not how God works. He's approachable. We don't have to think twice about calling somebody naturally, so why would we think twice about calling God in the form of prayer? And yet so many times we can hesitate for lots of reasons. And yet, so it says, our Father in heaven, connect with God relationally. Here's the next one. Hallowed be your name. Like, well, what does that mean? Really, it's about worship. So acknowledge your relationship with God and and take some time just thanking God, worshiping God. Why? Because it's what we were created to do. Really, and you're like, well, what does hallowed be mean? It means, hey, your name's holy. Your name is above every other name. There is no name but Jesus. There's no other name that has more authority, more power, not just in my life, but in every circumstance in this universe. The name of Jesus is holy. It's powerful. So you may be able to pray and say something like, Father God, I thank you that I have access to, your, to you right now. And I thank you that I come because of Jesus, the name of Jesus that has purchased that right for me. That I can come right now, regardless of how bad my day was, that I can be confident right now. That's what that would sound like practically. Because of who Jesus is, I can come in on my worst day, not my best day, and say, Father, I need you. I, I, I need some help in this moment. But you can begin to just worship the Lord, even in that moment. It goes on, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. What is that speaking of? I mean, those are words that we say in church, but what does it really mean? It means, God, I'm going to make your agenda first in my life. Not my agenda, not what I want, not what I need. God, I'm praying for your purposes to be fulfilled in my life and in the lives of those around me. I'm going to make your agenda first in my life. God, I want to see your purposes, your plans fulfilled. All right, well, what is God's purpose? We've used a phrase around here, many of you know it, what, making God's dream come true, right? Amen. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It should. Well, what is that? What is God's dream? It's to build his church, but to build a church, what do you have to do? You have to build people. I mean, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he what, gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would what, have everlasting life. We call it salvation. That's God's, that's God's agenda. His agenda is to save as many people as possible that would receive him. So we ought to pray. We ought to be praying for the people who, that we know that are lost. We ought to be praying for coworkers, neighbors, family members, whoever we know. that I mean, We ought to start calling them out by name. Father, I thank you that you're working in this person's life and you're going to send somebody speaking to that person's life. I thank you that, you know, for my parent or who, whatever it may be, you begin to pray for them. Why? Because prayer makes a difference. You begin to put God's agenda first. It's not just, hey, God, I've got my shopping list here. Can you check a few off this week? That'd be awesome. Appreciate it. <laughs> See you later. And yet that's many times how we reduce prayer. But what if we begin to put God's agenda above even our own? Here's what I have found is that if I will keep God's agenda as primary in my life, he takes care of mine. I take care of his business, he'll take care of my business. Now, it doesn't mean, now let me say this. That doesn't mean that I just pray. It's like, well, God's going to do whatever God's going to do. No, I'm still going to get up and come to work. 
I'm going to still be faithful. But on top of that faithfulness, God will begin to work as well. You know, I mean, that is important. So, but how do we put God? Here's another way that we put God's agenda, not just through prayer, but even in our life as we share our faith. We, we find people, we, we believe God, we ask God to give us influence and access to people's life and that, to bring me opportunities to be able to share what God has done in my life, that it would be a blessing to someone else. Now, sometimes you're going to sow a seed. You're like, well, that didn't work. Okay, but you may have just been watering a seed. But there will come a time where you're actually going to get to lead somebody to the Lord. You're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Pay attention to the end of service. I'm going to help you. Like, I don't know the right thing to say. It's not so much about what you say. It's about their heart. Amen. You can have a jacked up prayer and still get saved. Okay? I mean, don't get so, you know what I'm saying? It's serious, but don't take yourself too seriously. Amen. Continuing on. It says, give us this day our daily bread. So what's he talking about? Lord, I thank you for my food before it even comes. Like, that's, I guess, sort of kind in a way, but he's not solely talking about natural things here. It's to give us natural food and provision. There's a lot of provision besides food that, that we are to say, Father, I thank you that you're the source is really what he's saying here. So, Father, I look to you before my job. I look to you before my paycheck. I look to you before anything else. You are the source of my life. All blessings come from you, not my boss. Amen. Now, God will use your boss. Let me say it like this. Help you out with this. If you look to your job, your company, your boss as your source, you are limited to their want to to bless you. So they may determine, we want to pay you this. That's your ceiling if they're your source. If God is your source, God says, well, that can be part of my provision, but I've got this way and this way and that way and that way. So, but it is about what? That's why we need to pray this. Father, I thank you that you are my source. I thank you you use my job. I thank you I have favor on my job. Favor goes before me. Favor opens doors for me. It's amazing. But that's a source that you're using in my life, but it's not my source. You are my source. And we need to remind ourselves of that. I shared with you last week about a verse that, where Jesus talked about that he had food that the disciples knew nothing about. What is it? Is it God is my source? I shared with you a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 8 where it talks about that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word, every what? And really that, that actually means every breath that comes from God. We think it's just spoken word. No, when, when Adam was created... It said that God had formed him and yet he wasn't a living being until God bent over and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life came into his lungs and he became a living being. That's what it's talking about here. It's not just like, hey God, give me a lunch and dinner tonight. It would be awesome. Appreciate it. It's saying, God, I need your breath in my life. Not just oxygen. I need the breath of heaven to bring me life today because I don't want to exist. I want to live there's a big difference. I don't want to exist. I want to live. And I can only do that through my connection with him. It's this desperate connection to God. 
in context. Let me give you an example of this quickly. Have you ever like jumped into some water and went a little deeper than you thought? And you get underwater and you kind of get that panic moment. And you start kicking and paddling as fast as you can. And you come out of the water and you go. (gasps) That's what this verse is saying. God, I need your breath as much as I thought I was about to drown. And I grabbed that first breath of air. God, I need you that bad today. Seems like a normal mundane day. But God, I'm not going to get lulled into existing. I want to live. And I need your breath in my life today. It says, forgive us as we forgive others. And, get, and so, what is that all about? Why do we need to forgive? Why is it such a big deal? Why is God always talking about forgiving? Well, he did it for us. He expects us to do it towards others. But here's why it matters. Because it's getting our heart right. Heart matters. Proverbs chapter 3 says, guard your heart with all diligence, with all that you have, with all that is within you. Why? Because... Out of the, that, it says the issues of life flow, which makes no sense to us. It says guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because wherever your heart is headed, that's where you are going. Whatever you're focused on in your heart, that's the direction of your life. So we need to pay attention. So we've got to get our heart right with God and people because it affects our prayers. So it's important. We need to, to, you know, I mean, the thing about forgiveness, we think so many times, well, they wronged me and they did me wrong. There's a famous old quote that says that when we forgive, it's the releasing of a prisoner to only find out we were the prisoner. We're holding them hostage, but it actually, they're living their life. They don't care that we're mad at them. They don't care that we're ticked off. They don't care that, that we would just pray for God to strike them down with lightning that might be part of your prayer. Lord, you know that person? Just whoosh, be awesome. Like God's not going to answer that prayer. But yet, we release them from what? Of the wrongdoing. I forgive them for what they said. I forgive them for what they did. One of the things I was challenged with this week was a friend of mine posted a, a statement. And it said, Lord, teach me to walk with Judas. Teach me to love Judas. And man, it just did something on the inside of me. Why? Because Jesus Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, and yet he still kept him close. That's hard. Like, that's some deep stuff. I was like, shoot! (laughs) You ever read something, wish you could unread it? I had one of those moments this week. I mean, like, I was talking to Dara about this. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I am. I was telling Dara about this. And I was like, would I invest in somebody that I knew was going to hurt me? Would I spend the same amount of time with them if I knew that they were going to hurt me? Like, on the front side. Not like on the back side. Like, you dirty rascal. I mean, like, knowing it, like, you're going to hurt me. But I choose to love you anyways. I choose to believe the best in you, regardless. I know you're going to stab me in the back. It's okay. God's going to heal me, and God's going to use it for his glory. I don't know how, but God will. I heard this powerful statement one day. Somebody said it, and man, it just went off in my heart. 
is that God never promised that we would not be hurt. He only promised that he would heal us every time. He never promised that we wouldn't get hurt. He just promised that he would heal us every time. And even as we're praying, as we're seeking the Lord and kind of praying through this model here, you know, and it talks about forgiving others. Why? Because it's getting our heart right. I mean, even in the instance that I just gave you, knowing that someone may betray you, Father, I, I forgive them before they even do it. And Father, now I'm praying that you would help them. Because everybody talks about Judas. Well, what was the end of Judas's story? He went and killed himself. So a lot of times we don't think about that. All we feel is the betrayal. We don't think about the one who deals with the thoughts and the feelings of what they've done. Judas couldn't get past it. And he took his own life. Well, what if, we could, what if somebody could hurt us and our first response was, I need to pray for them. Father, I ask you for your grace in their life. Don't let the enemy take this moment where they messed up and it hurt me. Don't let the enemy take advantage of them. See, that's like grown-up Christian stuff right there. That's like put your big boy pants on and grow up. And I mean, you know that, but that's, is that not who we're called to be? People who love almost without reason. It's like, that's illogical. Yeah, but if I've got the breath of God on the inside of me, I can do it. If you've got the breath of God on the inside of you, you have the same heart of God on the inside of you that Jesus has, guess what? You can do it. Like, I don't know about that. That's why we're talking about getting better. goes on it says lead us not into temptation in other words don't allow me to be led into temptation this is really a form of spiritual warfare the enemy's coming he's going to try to he's going to bring temptations he's he going to see to it doesn't mean that we have to yield to it doesn't mean we have to give in to it but saying father i thank you that your grace is sufficient for me today whatever comes today before my day even starts i just thank you i can handle it nothing's taken me out today I refuse. And Father, I just thank you that your grace for me is enough today. For whatever comes, I'm just saying it up front. Mind, God's grace is enough for us. Soul, God's grace is enough for us today. Regardless of what happens. It ends by going, and it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Why is that important? Because we live with eyes upon eternity, not just today. God is eternal. We are eternal. We're praying not just for this earth, not just for this life. It's not what it's about. No, God, you are God. You are king. You are majesty. You, your kingdom is the one that I'm living for, not my kingdom. I don't want to build the kingdom of David. That's not what I'm here for. I want to build God's kingdom. I want to see to it that we affect as many people as possible. In the time that I've been given on this earth. So that, why? So I got a lot of friends in heaven. I want to make sure of that. And we, that ought to be all of our goal. And so, you know, even this morning as I'm sharing with you. I mean, it, it, it's a model of how we can pray. We approach God. It's not like some hard method. But it's a way. You say, well, I don't know what, how to pray. I, I just helped you. I, I just told you this is, this is an effective way to pray. Why? Because Jesus told us. He said, this is, this is how you pray. So we need to know how to pray. Now, just so you know, this is like the first half of this message. 
I have a whole other half that I looked at and said, there's no way I'm getting through all this information. And here's why I'm cutting it in half. Because I don't want to overload you. I did it intentionally. Somewhat. No, because I could, because I've got a whole lot more information. I'm going to share that with you next week, though. This week is about the how-to. Next week's about the why. The why we pray. And it's important. Why? Because I want to make sure not just that, I don't want to just give you a bunch of information that I overload, and you're like, yeah, that was good. I have no idea what you said. Thank you. See you next Sunday. Like that. No, this stuff is practical that I want you to take, take home with you, implement it, because for some of you, it's really going to help you. It's going to help you to connect with God. Because you've never thought about like, man, before I go to God, I need to think like he's my heavenly father and, and he wants what's good for me. And, and, and I need to come to him what based off of what Jesus has done for me, but also my relationship with him. Some of us need to do some heart work in the area of forgiveness. Because we wonder why our prayers are being hindered. And yet it's because there's strife. For all you who are married in here, if you've got strife in your marriage, it affects your prayer as well. So you might have to do some heart work there too. Again, that's, 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 that's grown-up stuff, you know. That's, I'm sorry. Why are those words so hard to say? You ever notice that? Like, we can say all kinds of stuff, but I'm sorry is pretty hard to say and mean it. I mean, you can say it, but the meaning it's really the hard part. <laughs> And yet, many times we have to, so again, I shared with you at the beginning, it's not just getting better, we want to be more effective. We want our prayers to be powerful. James 5, 16 says the effectual, continued prayer of a righteous person, what, is, it produces a lot and it's powerful, it's dynamic in its working. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that prayer makes a tremendous difference, huge difference in our life. But we want to be more effective at prayer. We do. Not just praying more, but praying better, more effectively. I'll leave you with one last thought this morning along this line. But, you know, one of the ways that I believe that we can become more effective is that prayer becomes our first response, not our last resort. In other words, when things come... It's our, our first response. When somebody hurts me, I don't just get mad and call somebody and be like, can you believe what they did? Can you believe what they said? No, my first response is, God, I need you to help me. More than I need to talk to so-and-so, more than I want to vent, more than I want to get it out. And it's amazing when I do this, how much less I have to gripe about to people. Why? Because I took my gripes to the Lord. I did. I, I just... God, you know what happened. I don't even have to tell you all the details. I'm sure I was wrong somewhere, but all I see is them. <laughs> well, what if we prayed first? That bill comes that we can't pay, and we know it. Do we panic? Does fear come in? Or do we just say, Father God, I thank you right now. I can't pay this bill. I've had those prayers. God, I don't know how I'm going to do all this. I don't know see all these bills stacked up and I don't, I, I don't have that kind of money right now I need your help and I've seen God provide because I refuse to stress out about it I'm not saying that stress didn't try to come because absolutely yes 
I'm a human being like you. Stress comes, but I mean, what about just, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. Right now, just today, there's so much that's been on my plate today. I am overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. That's an honest prayer. Lord, I need you to help me. Got symptoms in my body. Before you get on WebMD and find out that you're dying tomorrow, why don't you pray? I'm going to lose an arm. My left ear itched a little bit and says I'm going to lose my right arm. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to doctors, but pray first. Pray before you go. Pray on the way. Father, I think my doctor has wisdom. No misdiagnosis. They're going to see it accurately and clearly. I thank you that you use doctors, but you're my source. You're my healer. Amen. And we begin to pray like that. We begin to make that the priority of prayer. And it begins to make just a huge difference. And that's who we want to be. Not necessarily just praying more. We want to pray more effectively. And so this morning, you may be here. You may say, man, that sounds pretty good. I'd like to be able to pray and know that God would hear me. Well, let's go back to the very beginning. How, How did we start that? It starts relationally. With a connection with God. Like, not just a church like a head knowledge kind of, oh yeah, I prayed a prayer one time when I was a little kid. What about you as an adult? What about you as a teenager? What about you as a college student? Whatever season of life, have you surrendered your will, your heart to the Lord? Because that's where it starts from. Is that we want to make sure that for prayer to really be effective, you got to be a child. You got to be the Lord. You say, well, how does that happen? You surrender your heart. You surrender your life to him. And that's really how it starts. And once you've done that, what the Bible says, that all of heaven is available to you. Why? Because you simply made the choice to surrender. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?